All right. Um, so we've talked a little bit about it already this morning, but what comes to mind when you think of lament? You know, is it happy thoughts, you know, of kind of rainbows and butterflies and everything's going right with the world? Or is it kind of the opposite of that? Is it, is it deep sadness? Is it um, injustice? Is it things that are wrong in the world? You know, is it things that need fixing? And obviously this is kind of where we, we come to when we come to Psalms of Lament. There's, there's something wrong, right? There's, there's something that needs to be remedied. And so as we look at Psalm 42 together, um, let's kind of start with that in mind. I just want to start by reading that. Um, and if you have a pew Bible, it's going to be on page 469. <clears throat> but let's start there in Psalm 42. As a deer pants for flowing streams, so pants my soul for you, O God. My soul thirsts for God, for the living God. When shall I come and appear before God? My tears have been my food day and night, while they say to me all the day long, Where is your God? These things I remember as I pour out my soul, how I would go with the throng and lead them in procession to the house of God with glad shouts and songs of praise, a multitude-keeping festival. Why are you cast down, O my soul, and why are you in turmoil within me? Hope in God, for I shall again praise him, my salvation and my God. My soul is cast down within me, therefore I remember you from the land of Jordan and of Hermon and from Mount Mazar. Deep calls to deep at the roar of your waterfalls. All your breakers and your waves have gone over me. By day the Lord commands his steadfast love, and at night his song is with me, a prayer to the God of my life. I say to God, my rock, why have you forgotten me? Why do I go mourning because of the oppression of the enemy? As with a deadly wound in my bones, my adversaries taunt me, while they say to me all the day long, where is your God? Why are you cast down on my soul, and why are you in turmoil within me? Hope in God. For I shall again praise him, my salvation and my God. This is the word of the Lord. Can, can you relate to this when you hear it? You know, it, it's brimming, like, full of emotion and a lot of different emotions at that. You know, but have you, have you felt similarly ever in life? Like, have, has it seemed like things are out of sorts, there's no one to help you? Um, maybe you've made a mess of your life and you're, you're just feeling hopeless, you know, like, what, what's going to happen? Who's, who's going to help me? There's no one to do that, right? Um, have you ever felt that way? I, I think we, we probably all have at some level, and varying levels, likely, depending on how long you've been living, you know, I think life is full of these moments that just bring challenges, right? There are seasons that, that might be dark, that might be confusing, that might be very wrong. <clears throat> and I think even now in the midst of all the things that are going on in, in the world around us, um, it's, it's easy to identify, I think, with this, with this tone of just crying out to God and, and sadness, right? Um, and maybe you're tired and frustrated. Instead of um, just crying out for injustice, maybe you're tired and frustrated of, of just the same habitual nagging like sins in your life, keeping you from, from growing in, in your relationship with the Lord or keeping you from growing in your relationship with, with the church and having fellowship with one another. Because um, that, that is equally... Um, something that causes us to lament. And I've, if you've come into the service this morning feeling any of those ways, and even if it's not today you're feeling like that, maybe you felt like that last week, maybe you felt like that for years, 
Um, and maybe you've yet to really experience these deep seasons of, of sadness. Um, but I have good news. You know, there, there are many people throughout history, throughout the history of the church, um, throughout the pages of scripture who have felt in a similar way to this. And that's what we're really looking at today. The psalmist is, is more than just sad, right? There's a deep, weighty sadness in his words and in the things that he says. And so um, you're, you're not alone in those struggles if you felt them before. And so I think that's a good place to start as, as we begin to, to peel our way through, through this passage. And so in light of that, you know, since these things are real, we struggle, we deal with hardship. Um, what are we supposed to do with all those emotions? That's, that's a lot. You know, it can be overwhelming. We can we cannot want to, to deal with those things. And I think our tendency as people is to do everything but. You know, we look for for um, distractions and places to hide. But but these are real emotions, and they need real solutions, right? And and I think in Psalm 42, this is what we have. We we have someone expressing deep um, deep longing for for the Lord to act and to work, um, and also at the same time a deep expectation that He will do that. And so uh, that's one thing I want us to see as we continue to look here. Um, and I'm, I'm thankful this summer that we've had the opportunity to, to be working through Psalms again. And I feel like it's just such a timely book um, in the life of the church, in the life of the world, you know, just for us to just take, take time, especially as we get into Psalms of Lament and, and do that, really to learn what lament looks like, what healthy lament is, and, and, and to do it well as, as, as a congregation. And so we're going to unpack that a little bit. But one of the things we need to... Um, to really think through as we start is, you know, if this is what the psalmist is saying, you know, what's so praiseworthy about his words and his situation? You know, where's the good and what he's saying? Because it just seems like a lot of bad. It's easy to kind of spot that he's, he's struggling, right? And, and maybe in our own lives, it's easy to, to identify with our struggles, but it's not as easy to identify with the hopeful sides of belonging to Jesus and being his and being part of his covenant family. And so, um, I think there's a lot for us to relate to here. So what can we learn from Psalm 42? You know, I think we need to realize that um, the Lord doesn't waste our tears. He doesn't waste our cries for help. He doesn't waste our, our nagging struggles in this fallen world. But instead, he uses these things. He uses what's painful, what's hard, to remind us of who he is and what he's done in Jesus Christ. And so as we get started, let, let's, let's think through that. You know, the Lord isn't wasting our, our cries for help. And you see that in, in the psalmist's words. And so three things I want us to look at in terms of what it looks like to lament well. I think as we think about this idea of lament um, and what is it, how do we do it you know, individually in our own lives, dealing with our own sinfulness? How do we do it as a congregation? Um, how do we do it as the global like, church of, of Christ? You know, how, do we, how do we do this well? What does this need to look like? And I think we need to understand that to lament well, we have to um, see what the purpose of lament is, right? And so lament is doing three things. Um, and one of them is reminding us that suffering and hardship are part of the Christian experience and not an exception to it. Another thing that lament does is it causes us to rem- remember the truth of who God is and what he's done rather than just regretting past mistakes or, or the good old days, right? And, and one of the third things that it does is it should help us remember Christ. And so remembering that suffering is, is normal in a fallen world. Right? It's not normal in God's world, his perfect world, but it's normal in this world that we live in. Um, and so we should be mindful of that first. And so the Psalms of Lament account for almost a third of the entire book of Psalms. So if that gives you any idea of how maybe normal suffering is for 
um, people who've loved the Lord over the, the centuries, you know, this, this should be a good indicator for us. Almost a third of, of this collection of poetry is, is lament, is where are you, God? Why have you left us? You know, why, why are my enemies overtaking me? Why is this happening? And so that might not be what you expect from a book that literally means praises, right? Psalms, by definition, is, is praises. And so I think there's kind of a, a paradox of things going on here. Um, and, and I think that should inform kind of how we read through not just Psalm 42, but all of, all of the Psalms. You know, if, if the point of this, of this book is, is praises to God, like how do we get there from, from something like lament? Um, and so one scholar has said that the purpose of the book of Psalms is to instruct God's people and how to experience the abundant life for which God has created and redeemed them. And so part of that experience and experiencing that abundant life and working towards that abundant life in Christ is going to lead us through suffering and hardship and injustice and any number of other things that aren't preferable to us, right? That, that, that hurt us, that cause us pain. Um, and so the psalmist is going through that. He's, he's depressed. He's despondent. You know, he's, he's, he's very, very upset. Um, but there's another thing that he is that I think we can miss sometimes in the beauty of, of the poetry of Psalms, and that's that he's desperate. And so if you look at verse 1, he says, As a deer pants for flowing streams, so pants my soul for you, O God. And isn't that beautiful? That's, that's quite like the picture. And I think we can read that sometimes with a very like, pastoral, like agricultural lens of just like, wow, that's great and relaxing. You know, like, he's, he's like just getting in a quiet place to be with God. But, but really what's happening here is, this isn't a deer that is like leisurely going through a field. This is a deer that's dying, that's like on its way to death. It's maybe running from a hunter hunting it. You know, this is, this is urgent. This is um, intense. This is hard. And so if you think about, you know, if you're running, if you like to run, um, and you're running really fast, and you are on a trail, and there's no like water fountain nearby, or you don't have your water bottle, or something like that, you know, you're like, you're starting to like struggle a little bit with that. Like your stamina is like impaired and you're like, where's the water? I need a break, you know? Um, and so think about, think about this like that, except much, much, much more intense. You know, this deer is, is thirsting for flowing streams of water. It's, it's very, very thirsty. It's afraid it's going to die. Um, and one of the things Charles Spurgeon says about this verse is that this is like the parched traveler in the wilderness whose skin bottle is empty and who finds the wells dry so he must drink or die. He must have his God or faint. And so this is a beautiful picture, but it's not, sometimes I think not a beautiful picture of what we think it is, right? This is, this is a beautiful picture of desperation for God and for, for his goodness and his satisfaction that only he brings. And so I think starting there, when we think about what it looks like to lament well, um, it has to come from a place of desperation for, for God, knowing that nothing else is going to... Um, meet our cries for justice or meet our cries for mercy or right all the wrongs that have been done to us or done in the world around us. Um, we need to be desperate and know that only he can do that. He can only, he's the only one that can do those things. And so this posture is really, really important and it sets the tone for everything that follows in, in these verses in Psalm 42, but also everything that follows for us like as we're going through our, our life as followers of Jesus. It has to be done out of a posture of desperation, knowing that you know, apart from him, there, there is no justice. There is no hope. There is no remedy for the sin in our own hearts that pulls us away from him and damages our relationship with him and other people. And so it's, it's that posture that we need to, to move forward in. 
And so then the psalmist goes on to reflect a little bit more as he talks about this thirst for God because he doesn't want just any God. You know, and I think sometimes we can, we can try to fill in the void of this desperation with you know, little gods that aren't going to satisfy us. But you know, he's saying, my, my soul thirsts for God, for the living God, for the God of, of Israel, you know, the true God. And so he's not just looking for anyone. He, like, he, he knows who he needs. And I think um, many times we do too, right, in the midst of our struggles. And one of the other things I think is, is really interesting, given our cultural like, moment that, that we find ourselves in, is much of his desperation um, comes from a deep desire to be where God is, right? So if you look at verse 4, um, these things I remember as I pour out my soul, how I would go with the throng and lead them in procession to the house of God with great shouts and songs of praise, a multitude-keeping festival. So he's, he's definitely feeling a spiritual absence of God in his life, but he's also feeling a physical one. Right? He's, he wants to be where God is worshipped. He wants to be with the people of God. He wants to be here where we are right now in this context, right? And so I think that that's something that maybe we can relate to, just given this, this whirlwind of a year that has separated us from each other and has caused us to feel longing and to feel alone oftentimes, you know, and, and to feel like God is distant. And what I, I want us to see next is that you know, he, he's not. You know, even, though, even though maybe there's a physical separation sometimes from each other, that doesn't mean God has left us. Um, and so he wants to be where God is, um, and he's separated by geography, it looks like, from that. And so if you are looking later in verse 5, um, he says, um, Therefore I remember you from the land of Jordan and Hermon, from Mount Mazar. So this is somewhere that's a good distance away from Jerusalem where the temple would be. So there's you know, a real physical separation from God, just by basic geography, um, on top of what he's already feeling in his heart. And so I think you know, there's a lot to relate to here between us and the psalmist. And so I think it's such a kindness in light of all these things that the Lord would remind us through his word um, about these feelings of deep longing, of deep sadness. You know, maybe, maybe we don't want to deal with those things. Maybe they're uncomfortable, but I think you're know, just given this year, like he's, he's connecting some of what we're even experiencing like culturally and currently to, to what's going on in, in Psalms. And I feel like that's just a great kindness of the Lord, you know, and to show us those things, and to show us we're not alone in these struggles that we oftentimes feel like we might be in. Um, and so these things have been felt you know, by many people many times throughout history. There have been separations far worse than stay-at-home orders, you know, and, and so I'm just thankful that we can just reflect on that together. Um, and so you know, even though we're not separated physically now, praise the Lord, and um, even though the psalmist wouldn't you know, always be separated physically, there's there's a deep longing and sadness that characterizes his thoughts that it's almost like a rain cloud over his head. You know, he can't, he can't shake the, the sadness, right? He's, he's very depressed. And so maybe, you know, we felt like that too. Maybe even though we're able to come back and gather together, maybe we still feel as off as we did before when, when we weren't able to see each other. Maybe, you know, we still feel like God's distant and we, we can't feel his closeness the way we maybe used to six months ago or a year ago. You know, and I think what, what he wants us to see here, that even though those things are real and we feel that, that way, um, that he's, he's actually not far from us. You know, we have the spirit in us. If we belong to him, um, he's not cut off by any geography, even if we're cut off from each other. Um, and so even though he can feel miles away sometimes, he, he's, he's much closer than, 
than we feel. And so we're going to get back to this idea of feeling in just a moment. But this kind of leads us into the second point. So lament involves remembering who God is and what he's done in our lives and not regretting or reminiscing about what, what it used to be like, right? And so you may have noticed that, as I mentioned before, you know, we look for ways to avoid dealing with our emotions. Emotions are very uncomfortable things. <laughs> I'm from like a family where no one talks about the emotions, you know, and so that's challenging, right? It's hard to know how to articulate how we feel in a healthy way, at least. You know, it's easy to let out spurts of anger or um, cries of frustration, but it's hard to really like get in and assess like, why do I feel the way I feel? What's, what's happening here? You know, and I think as we think through what it looks like to lament well, um, and as we see how the psalmist does it, this is one of those things that we, we have to keep in mind. You know, there's a, a dealing with our emotions that's taking place. And it's not being avoided, it's being like tackled head on, but it looks a certain way. And so I think that's, that's the important part is we need to look at how, how it looks because we can try to make it look certain ways in our lives that might not be super healthy or might you know, impair relationships with God and others rather than strengthen those things. And so let's look a little bit more um, at this. You know, if we're, if we're desperate for God to intervene in our lives, there's, there's going to be less of a desire to go down these, these rabbit trails away from him. You know, I think starting with desperation is important because that's going to inform the way that you deal with your emotions. You know, you're not going to be looking for a remedy to the way you feel in, like, addictions and relationships and busyness or in anything else if you're desperate for the living God, right? And so that's really where, where the psalmist is as well. He, he knows who he needs, and he, he knows he has to deal with, with these feelings that are just brimming over, right? There's just so much emotion. And maybe for some of us, that's really uncomfortable to even read words that are so full of emotion, you know? Um, but I would just challenge each of us, because I, I struggle with this too, just as you're dealing with things in your life, as, as you're dealing with, with the tension of sinfulness and holiness and loving God versus really wanting to do whatever it is you want to do, you know, I, I would just challenge us all to, to wrestle with those things. Like, why do we feel that way? Why are we wrestling with this or that? Um, and then answering those things, answering those challenges with, with the gospel. And so um, what we see in dealing with that, um, what, it, what it could look like to helpfully, healthily deal with, with emotions is a conversation. And so this, this whole psalm is really the psalmist talking, right? But, but who's he talking to? He's, he's talking to himself. It's a, it's a one-way conversation. It's almost like if, you, um, or if you're into the theater at all and like to watch live productions and things like that, like there's these moments when someone will be kind of off to the side, just kind of talking to themselves about what's going on. And in a lot of ways, that's what's, that's what's happening here. Like we're getting kind of insight into the psalmist's heart um, and he's, he's not really expecting an answer from anyone else. He's talking to himself. And so I think that's important is, is he's not running from his thoughts. Like he's actively engaging with them. And so um, something to keep in mind as we, as we keep moving forward with this. <clears throat> um, and, and at this point, it's really important for us to, to recognize that he's not just complaining. To, he's, he's not just saying, you know, soul, why are you cast down? Like, God, where are you? He's, he's not just voicing all these, these complaints, right? He's, he's really, he's being real and honest, brutally honest about his struggles and what they are. He says things like, my tears have been my food day and night. Why are you cast down, O oh my soul? Why are you in turmoil within me? You know, not just, not just a little depressed, but it just feels like you're falling apart on the inside, you know. He's being brutally honest. 
Um, there's deep emotional pain that we can clearly see here. And, and this is where I think we can get confused because it's easy for us to um, dismiss feeling this way because oftentimes I think many people struggle with like spiritual depression and just being down in the dump sometimes or just going through something that's difficult, but we often don't want to talk about it because we don't want to make others uncomfortable or we don't want to bring the group down. You know, we don't want to be that guy. Um, and I think that's, that's dangerous. That's it's really tricky. It's a, it's a hard place for us to be um, because we need to do what Tim Keller refers to as through, through looking at this passage as the modern day equivalent of getting in touch with your feelings. That's what the psalmist is doing. Um, and we need to do that. We, we need to meet how you feel head on and, and interact with that. But you don't need to be led by it, right? There's a difference between this interaction, this talking about these true, real things that are happening, but not letting them dictate your response to them. And so I think that's where we can, can see something that's really helpful here from the psalmist. Um, so this does make us really vulnerable, especially in our culture that doesn't like uncomfortable things. You know, I think that's why the body of Christ is so important, is that we, we should be the group of people that are okay with the uncomfortable and that are okay with people bringing their various things to us, right? Like, we're the body of Christ. We're supposed to love as he loved. And, and so if, that, if those conversations should be happening anywhere, they should be happening here, right, in, in our relationships with each other. And so I just want to challenge us in that. Um, and I'm thankful that that is the case and something that's evident that I see um, just in those of you in this room. You know, but just something for us to, to continue to strive for, because I think in our heart we're going to want to hide ourselves from other people. You know, and, and God is calling us to come out, of, come out of the shadows of that and deal with how we feel, but deal with it in a certain context, right? And in a parameter that he's setting with him being Lord and us kind of falling under that, right? And so um, that looks a certain way. And so one of the, the other things about lament is how he is diverting the conversation that he's having, right? So he's not just letting, the psalmist isn't just letting this be a downward spiral of just like complaints and like he's just nobody and nothing and it's it's not like he's Eeyore from Winnie the Pooh who's just like got a rain cloud over his head right nothing's ever good enough like it's never going to get better he's he's not doing that and I think that's that's really important for us to recognize right because we naturally go that route I think when things are not going well we just kind of circle the drain with our thoughts and it's part of it is because we're not letting others in right like and we're not letting God in we're not letting our community in and so we, we need to stay away, stay away from that. Um, but the psalmist gives us a good model for what that looks like. He's diverting the conversation, you know, from being a downward spiral to a call to remember, right? He's engaging his thoughts, not embracing his thoughts, I guess is a good way to, to think about that. I mean, I think that's something that's very countercultural in a world that is all about embracing your thoughts, embrace how you feel, embrace every emotion, just go with it if you feel it, you know? And I think for us who are in Christ, we're to go against that tide, right? And I think it's because we can see um, how it can get out of hand quickly and how there's no end to, like, the self-absorption of those kinds of things. And that doesn't help us when, when the world is falling apart around us, right? When our lives are, are struggling, when our hearts are, are broken for one reason or another. You know, we, we have to come outside of ourselves, but I think oftentimes it's going to start with engaging with ourselves so that we can get to where God is. And so... That brings me to another important point about lament. And one of the things to notice as we read this psalm of lament or any others is that 
they are progressive things. They're not just things that focus on the, the sadness, right, or on the, the wrongdoing or on the sinfulness of man, but laments are, are typically moving from something negative to something positive, right? Moving from sin and struggle to God's goodness and salvation and grace. Um, and, and so they're going from pleas to praises, as, as what some scholars uh, refer to it as. And so you know, when speaking through deep distress in verse 4, we, we see this. If you look, he says, after he's asking some of these questions, you know, when, when will I be able to be with God? Where is God? And in verse, in verse 4, he says, these things I remember as I pour out my soul. So you know, even while I'm feeling this way, even while the world is falling apart, or I feel like it's falling apart, right? Um, I remember who God is in the midst of that. And we, we can't neglect to do that as we engage with, with our emotional life, you know, um, because things are going to keep coming up, maybe not deep, dark seasons of depression, but, but definitely things that are, are hard, definitely indwelling sin that we have to fight. And I think this is the way to engage with those things, you know, as you're engaging with them, remembering God and remembering who he is, where he is. Uh, it's just extremely, extremely important. And so again and again, you see how he refers to, to God, even in the midst of this distress, he says things like, I hope in, in the living God, the God of my life, my rock, my salvation, and my God. And so I think this should really help us see the importance of Scripture as one practical application of this is Scripture teaches us about who, who God is, what he's like, what we're like. And it's easy to forget all those things if we're not um, reading through it, studying it, remembering it, memorizing certain passages that and would be like advantageous to our situations, you know, and, and that's kind of what's happening here. To remember God, you have to know God. You have to know who he is, what he's like. Um, I think as we do that, as we really saturate our lives and our family's lives in, in the word, he's going to bring to mind those truths of who he is, you know, in moments of temptation or sadness or anything else. He'll remind us he is the living God. He is the God of our life. He's our rock. He's our salvation. And so if you're a believer in this room, then these internal conversations, this monologue you're having with yourself, um, should look more like this. You know, it should be, it should be going somewhere, not, not just a stagnant, like, repetition of why you're upset, but it should be shifting attention away from you, away from your heart, towards, towards God and his. <clears throat> and so the psalmist, you know, he isn't just looking back to better days, to the good old days, when he could go and worship God in the temple, you know, thinking about it, um, and he's not dwelling on maybe sin in his life or feeling like he's messed things up and can never have that again. And, you know, often that can be our tendency. No, instead, he's remembering what the Psalms are all about. He's, he's remembering what is praiseworthy. And he's remembering the Lord in the midst of all these real swirly emotions around him. And so this is one thing Paul refers to in Philippians 8 when he says, of Philippians 4, 8, excuse me. Finally, brothers, whatever's true, whatever's honorable, whatever's just, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is commendable, if there is any excellence, if there is anything worthy of praise, think about these things. And so he's kind of putting that into practice, right? And, and we can see that all those things, all those descriptions are found in the Lord and who he is and in the truth about him. And so um, this remembrance should, should include remembering the Lord who in verse 8, commands his steadfast love and whose song at night is, is with us. You know, and so we need to be reflecting as we lament, but lament includes reflecting and remembering. So reflect on our situation 
as hard as it might be, but remembering the faithfulness of God as we do that. Um, and then the, the third thing that we should be learning from lament is that it should remind us of Christ. It should drive us to him, um, his life, his experience in this world, his character, who he is, his, his deity, right? And so and while it's true that Psalms contains more laments in it than any other type of, of poetry, it's also true that it's weighted in the front with the laments and towards the end with hymns of praise. And so you can just learn so much about the structure of the book, I think, if we, if we really read this intentionally as we continue to go through our study together, is, you know, God doesn't just have this here for us to focus on the bad and what's wrong, but, but he's showing us almost a mirror of our life and what life looks like a lot of times. It, it's filled with a lot of hardships, a lot of things we prefer not to have in it, right? But at the same time, it's full, overflowingly full of God's faithfulness and his goodness to us and Jesus and I think this, just looking at the structure of Psalms helps to just be reminded of that. And then even more so once we dig into these specific ones like the one we're in today. And so there's kind of a, a big picture going from um, lamentation to praises, right? From suffering to glory, from sadness to contentment and satisfaction. And so let's, let us not lose hold of that, right? Um, lament is part of the Christian life. It's, it, it's not a problem that needs to be erased, Right? When, when we have things that we need to lament and we need to deal with, um, these aren't things we need to ignore. These are things we need to meet head on um, and engage with, whatever they are, whether it's our sin, another's sin, injustice in you know, race relations, injustice politically, any, like any, anything you can think of that is wrong um, are good reasons and right reasons to lament, but Christ should be at the center of them as the solution to, to our lamenting, right? And that's what we see here. Um, and so in Psalm 42 and in all of Scripture, this lamenting, this process of engaging with our thoughts, with um, kind of talking to ourselves, not listening to ourselves, um, really has a, a model in, in Jesus Christ, right? There's, there's someone who has shared in our earthly pain, who shared in our earthly struggles, and experienced all the full range of human emotions that the psalmist is and that we often do, Right? And so we're not, we're not alone, and we can look to Jesus for proof that we're not alone in those things. Um, one example of this is that not long after the resurrection in Luke 24, the story of the Emmaus Road, Jesus meets with the two men on the road, and he says, was it not necessary that the Christ should suffer these things and enter into his glory? Right, so there's this idea of glory, suffering and glory, suffering and glory, which you can see, in which we've talked about the the, the major level of the Psalms, and then at the individual, like, chapter level, like in 42, we can see that same thing chronicled. There's suffering, and then there's glory. There's, why is my soul cast down? And then there's, where's your God? And then there's, why have you, you know, abandoned me? But then at the, on the flip side, there's, there's these encouraging reminders that he's, he's giving himself, you know, hoping God, I shall again praise him, my salvation and my God. Um, God is, is my song. God doesn't abandon me, even in the midst of like rushing waters, right, that are just like overwhelming. Um, and so there's that, that balance that just continues to be seen through the structure here. And so the flow of the book of Psalms anticipates this in the life of Jesus as well, right? It shows us life in general, how it's made up of these moments, but it also shows us how in Jesus' own life, 
individual psalms show us Christ, and then the entire book shows us kind of a portrait of his life, like this idea of the suffering servant, the one who feels a full range of emotion, right, but, but never forgets and never denies the faithfulness of his father. And I think for us, we need to model that, right? We need to remember that these, these psalms are for, for our good, for redirecting our thoughts um, back to, to the God who is in control of of all these rushing waters, of, of all these adversaries that, that taunt us. And he was even taunted himself, you know, as he came here in the flesh. And so Jesus, like the psalmist in verse 10, experienced a deadly wound in his bones. There were adversaries that taunted him. They were, they were telling Jesus these things. You know, where's your God? Who's going to save you? Who's going who's to stop these things from happening? Um, and Sinclair Ferguson says this helpfully. And he says that Jesus' soul was cast down, Jesus was distressed, and Jesus had the same taunts of where is your God thrown at him as the psalmist experienced. But the cross was the high point in Jesus' favor with God, even while it happened in the darkest hour of his soul. So even just letting that kind of sink in for a moment, you know, in the midst of the hardship that the author of Psalm 42 is going through, in the midst of the hardship that that Christ went through when he was punished on our behalf, right? In those moments that seemed extremely low and, and horrible, uh, that's when God did some of his most important work, right? Through, through the, saving, um, the saving work of Christ, right? When, when Christ was humbled to his lowest point, that's when God began to exalt him to his highest point. And so I think it's just amazing to think about as we not only, not only read the Psalms, but as we just... Think about our life, right, in, in terms of um, not having this mentality of all these things are happening to me, this is, this is horrible, who, who cares about me? But remembering we do have one that cares about us, right? The, the author of these scriptures, the, the God who became flesh and who endured all these things on our behalf out of, out of love for us so that um, he could show us how suffering leads to glory and how our, our pleas for God to, to work and act and make things right um, can turn into praises because he's done that. He's done exactly that. Um, so I want to end uh, just reminding us that lament teaches us three things, right? It reminds us that suffering and hardship are part of our experience as Christians, not exceptions to our experience. So we need to remember that. Lament is good. It's good to lament. It's good to ruminate on, on these things um, in, a biblical, in a biblical way. Lament also helps us remember the truth about what God has done in spite of our feelings to the contrary, right? Even though we might feel like he's left us, as we lament, as we engage with our own minds and as we engage with each other, we need to be reminding ourselves that you know, God, God has done something different than what we feel like. You know, we can feel alone, but we need to know based on the scriptures, you know, God hasn't, hasn't stopped acting and working and renewing things and making them right. He's faithful. And finally, Lament should drive us to remember Jesus. So I want to end um, with just a, a story about Martin Luther that I thought really illustrated this well um, because it's easy to forget, it's hard to remember, and so I think we need, to, we need to cultivate habits in our life, even if it's just reading through the Psalms, for instance, as one, that are just going to put us in a place mentally and emotionally and spiritually where we're reflecting on who God is and what he's done and how he's active. And so... Um, as someone who struggled with doubt a lot over the course of his life, Martin Luther dealt with anxiety, depression, but obviously he was 
one of the most influential people in Reformed church history, if not church history, uh, period. And so he would have these crises of faith that were so severe that he doubted his own salvation, right? Even Martin Luther, like, dealt with these things. Even King David, who wrote many of the Psalms, dealt with these things, right? Um, and so we're not alone in those experiences. But at those times, when, when Luther did that, he placed a, a large plaque in his room that said, remember your baptism. And so he understood that the fact of his baptism was much stronger than any doubt or anxiety he might produce. And so it said that because his, his bouts with depression were so severe, he would just repeat like over and over as a mantra to himself and probably out loud because he was Martin Luther. You know, I am baptized, I am baptized, right? He's like talking to himself. He's engaging with his, his thoughts, his anxieties, his worries, but he's engaging them with the truth of scripture. He's not just running with his emotion, right? And the psalmist isn't doing that. Um, and Jesus himself didn't do that, right? Um, and I think that's the challenge for us as we, as we complete our time of worship today, as we observe the Lord's Supper, um, is to, to remember and reflect, but also to, to worship, right? To worship this God who, who has saved us and who has worked mightily in our lives if, if we're his. And if, if you're here today and you're not a Christian and you're not sure all the things I'm talking about, you know, we're, we're very glad you're here hearing these things, hearing these truths. Um, and I would just encourage you to investigate more. Come talk to us as a church staff read more of the Psalms and see how God um, is, is reflecting himself and his glory through that, through these pictures of human experience. And so as we, um, as we conclude today, you know, let's conclude in a posture of, of praise as we reflect on maybe our sinfulness, maybe the hardship of life right now and a weird season or anything else. You know, may we not let that dictate what we do with those things. May we hand those to the Lord knowing that he's faithful and he's good and, and he um, will, will continue to make all things right in this world until he, he returns for us. And so let's pray. Father, we thank you for um, Psalm 42. We thank you for the brutal honesty that is here, for the, the pain that's expressed, and for the truth that is revealed that you are a steadfast, faithful, loving God who does not abandon your people, but you use everything that we experience for your glory. Even the things that are hard, even the things that cause us pain, in, in the things that we would rather not have as part of our life. You use those things for your name's sake, Lord. And I pray that you would help us to remember that now. Uh, help us to, to praise you more for that reality. And that as we um, deal with moments in our lives that um, bring us to points of lamenting, I pray that we would do it in a way that is going to direct um, whatever our emotional conversation is we're having back to, back to you and to your son. We ask this in his name. Amen.